Good morning. Hello. Hello, Chris gave me a briefing on how to get this to go in the right place vaguely so it doesn't wobble. So I hope I've done that okay. Perfect. How are we all? Good. Good, good, good. My name is Chris, for those of you who don't know me, and I am one of the pastors here at Numa Church. I had an introduction written out about wildfires that Victor has stolen my thunder on that, so that's fine. Come to Wildfires. We would love to have you there. It's from the 30th of May for a week, and we are so excited about the opportunity to gather together, to, to worship together with thousands of people from across the country, from different churches. And if you do have any questions or anything, then please let me know. Come and chat to me afterwards if you want to, to come along. It is camping, but we can help you yeah. with that if you want tents and any of that. I've sorted out an area where you can plug your phones in and charge them. There might even be a fridge and an urn and everything as well for us to use. So, um, yeah, it's not just like we're trekking across the Lake District to the middle of nowhere with a tent. But, yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be good. We would love for you to join us if you can. So, this is our first Sunday together, launching into our Culture Adventure series. And you're all invited to join us as we are creating spaces over the next um, months to let God speak to us about what he's doing, what it looks like for us to become Numa Church as individuals and as a body of people, as a family together. And as we are becoming Numa Church, and we've had the the service over the last... um, Hang on, my clicker's not going. Ta-da! And we had our um, Sunday a couple of weeks ago where we, we celebrated becoming Numa Church and launching into that. We are fully aware that to fully become everything and to walk into everything that God is inviting us into, that we need to kind of, as we open this book, start defining who we are, what we do, and what we're like as a church. And we're going to be working through that together over the coming months. So who we are, who are we as Numa Churches by means of introduction? We are a family on a mission who creates... uh, I'm going to start that again. We're a family on a mission who creates spaces for people to encounter God, be equipped to bring life to the city, and experience the outworking of this in their day-to-day. This is who we are as Numa Church. And this is what we do as we do that. We bring life to the city. And these are our aims, updated from the slight typo that was on them before. But um, we have got some brand new ones kicking around the building now. So it's, it's all good. Um, that has been resolved. So we've got, we've got the new ones out there. But cool. So this is what we do. This is what we believe God is calling us to do. These are our aims. This is what we're going after as we bring life to the city, to Ashford and beyond as well. And then we get on to what we're like. Our culture, which we describe as the environment we curate to nurture the things we wish to see. It's how we do things here. It's our values. It's what we're like. I'm sure every organisation has a culture, has a, a value structure. I'm sure Liverpool have a value structure and culture that led to them winning the FA Cup yesterday. That led to them winning a penalty shootout um, again against Chelsea, but yeah. Um, and I'm, even the Eurovision, I'm sure, has a culture and value in there somewhere as well. I'm not sure I fully understand what it is, but we did all right, didn't we? So that's okay. 
But the environment we're curating here is like a greenhouse. It enables the things we want to see to develop, to grow, to create a space where we're able to step into the things that God is calling us into. To enable us to bring life to the city, we need to create the environment for that stuff to grow. God has amazing plans for us as individuals and us as a church. And over these next months, we're exploring what that greenhouse looks like. We're almost constructing the walls around it, describing the walls around it. And we're going to be doing that in different ways across, across AV Sundays. We're going to be having talks. I've done that two weeks in a row now. I, knew, I said I need a swear jar last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Numa Sundays. I've even written Numa Sundays here. Across Numa Sundays. Well, my life. We're creating spaces for the greenhouse to build up. And we have a culture journal, which um, as pastors, we've taken time in writing. We've prayed over this. We've spent time fine-tuning this. Just found a note, anyone else. Um, fine-tuning this. And um, these are available for you to, to get hold of one at the back this morning. They are ten, £10 pounds a copy. We would love for everyone across um, Numa Church to, to have one of these, to get hold of one. If finance is a problem or anything like that, we have had some people that have paid it forward, so bought one and then one for someone else. So please come and chat to me or the guys at the back if you'd like a culture journal. We would like to get one in your hands so you can take this and sit with the Holy Spirit and other people and digest it. Let it speak to you. Let it seep into who you are so you can understand some truths about who God is and the greenhouse, the culture that we're building to nurture, bringing life to the city and how we move forward in that. And as Vic mentioned as well, we have culture groups where people are gathering together to work through all of this together. They're meeting either fortnightly or once a month. And if you want to be part of one of those, then please do, again, come and chat to us at the back afterwards where the banner is. There's a QR code you can scan to show that you're interested and the links and everything are up there. So we've broken the culture of Numa Church down into 11 statements listed here. And this week and then in two weeks' time, Chris is going to take this further. We're going to be unpacking God. Oh, that's the culture journal, if you want a picture of one. But uh, God is good. Here at Numa Church, on Numa Sundays, we fundamentally believe that if we can truly... I'll take that, thank you. If we can truly grasp the truth in these three words, that opens up to a possibility that's even beyond our imagination at the moment. It opens up possibility to us as sons and daughters, like we've just been singing, who aren't orphans of a good, good father. God is good should be the first lens that we view any person through, any circumstance through, any situation through. That's good. Even bigger, even more than our imagination, more than we can think or even understand. God wants to do more in us, through us, in us and with us than we ever thought possible. And if we even begin to grasp this concept that God is good, then that's going to open up our eyes and our, our perception to a deeper level. And I wonder 
if the concept of God is good has become a little diluted in our thinking and in its meaning? Do we just sing the words on a, on a, on a Sunday morning in the songs we sing, not really truly understanding the, the weight and the depths behind them? We have a, a family staying with us at the moment, and um, I was um, cooking uh, dinner with um, the boys that are staying with us. And as we were cooking, we were making meatballs and tomato sauce. And they, um, he was helping to make the tomato sauce. So we threw the ingredients into the pan, so a bit of onion, a bit of garlic, some veg stock, and then some tinned tomatoes. And the, the, the boy said to me, it's like, we've got tomato sauce. I was like, yeah, we've got tomato sauce. The ingredients are all there. But then I said, watch this. If we leave it 10, 15 minutes cooking on a hob, watch what happens. <laughs> and then as you watched the sauce reducing down till you get the thick, gloopy flavors, the, the good stuff, the reduction that happens. Now that's tomato sauce. <laughs> it's moving from that Slightly diluted, yeah, kind of tomato sauce too. Tomato sauce that you can properly have with your meatballs and pasta. And I wonder, for me, if this is continuously the case for me, definitely, I don't know about for you guys, with the idea that God is good. Is it a bit diluted? Do we have to boil it down, reduce it to let the sauce develop its flavour? to let those words become the gooey thickness that we can hang our life and our circumstances on. That it's not just a list of things we know about God, but it's the truth we fully understand and perceive about God. That God is good. Not just God is good. He is far better than we even think or can imagine. So we need to change the way we think a little bit about this. God is good. So I wanted to just launch into the rest of what I've got to say by us reading our culture statements together. Um, under God is good heading, we've got three other kind of sub-statements under that that kind of define that and clarify that a little bit. They're going to come up on the screen now. Can you stand for me? Just so we can put our full body into reading these out and declaring them. There's power in the tongue and the words we say, and it helps it get from our heads to our hearts a little bit. So I'm going to start reading. Please read this with me up on the screen. If you've got your culture journal, you can even turn to page 11 and it's there. (laughs) So God is good. We believe God is a good father and that we can trust him in every situation regardless of our circumstances. We believe that God's goodness is displayed in his abundant and unconditional love for us and the extravagant grace and compassion that he lavishes on us. And we challenge anything that we see or hear that doesn't line up with our understanding of God as a good father. God is good. Awesome. You sit down now. Thank you. I've just found a note in my Bible, by the way, that was obviously left here by someone. Just saying, Numa Church, you're 100% amazing and good. There we go. Thank you very much. Win. God is good. (laughs) 
So how do we know that God is good? I think the first point of call and first point of looking at that is this. It's it's a Bible. It's our truth. (laughs) Just to clarify, it's our actual book one as well, not on a phone, which is quite fun. (laughs) Cool. Uh, This is our truth and our plumb line that we measure everything against. And as I was praying and looking at where God defines his goodness in the Bible and how good he is, I was drawn to um, Exodus. So if you've got your Bible and would like to turn to it with me this morning, it's Exodus 33 we're going to be reading from, and we'll skip to 34 as well. Um, Verse 18, it is going to come up on the screen, or you can scroll on your phone, um, quickly close Facebook and... Turn to your Bible app if you want to do that. I'll give you a second now. <laughs> Exodus 33, 18 to 23. Oh, God is good. says this. Moses, uh, I'm not reading quite yet, but Moses um, went into the attentive meeting with God and God came down and then they spent some time hanging out together and chatting. There was a whole process around that that happened. And you can read about that in Exodus 33. But in one of these conversations, Moses says to God, Now show me your glory. Now in that, Moses is asking to see the full abundance of who God is. He's asking to see the intrinsic nature of God. Show me who you are, God. Show me who you are, what you're like, what... what What does your very being look like? What's your intrinsic nature? He says, show me your glory. Show me all of who you are. And the Lord said, I will cause all of my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not. Have you seen there how God replies to Moses in that moment? Where Moses says, show me all of who you are, God. God says, replies with that, I will cause all of my goodness to pass in front of you. In response to Moses asking for all he is, God says, here's my goodness. I'm going to show you my goodness. That's what I'm going to show you in response to that question. God's goodness, God is good, means all of who he is. His abundant love, grace, mercy, power, compassion. All of that wrapped up, his kindness, in those four letters that say, God is good. And he, in that moment, describes that he's going to pass, cause all his goodness to pass in front of Moses. And he actually does this, so he describes it there, And in a few verses later, so in Exodus 34, so they talk about two stone tablets and then um, going up Mount Sinai, which Moses does. 
And Moses chiseled out two stone tablets like the first ones and went up Mount Sinai early in the morning as the Lord had commanded him. And he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name. So this is God doing what he told Moses he was going to do. And God describes himself as the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. He does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. So as God passes in front of Moses in his, in his presence, he declares who he is. He declares what this goodness looks like. The compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. That is the goodness of God. And Moses' only response to that is to bow to the ground and worship. When we hear the words, God is good, does that lead us to bow and to worship? Have we got to the point in ourselves, I know I haven't all the time, where I hear the words, God is good, and that causes me to worship him. That causes me to break out in praise and go to my knees, sit at his feet and just go, yes, you're so good. Moses is changed by that interaction with God. As he comes down the, the mountain, having spent, I think it's 40 days up there, up at, in Mount Sinai, um, that's where the, the Ten Commandments all kind of come from in that moment. But Moses comes down from that encounter with God's goodness. And it says later on in chapter 34 of Exodus, that his face was radiant. It was glowing. So much so that it scared Aaron and all the Israelites that Moses was with. He had to put a veil over his face. Because he was so glowing so radiantly from his encounter with God's goodness. I don't know about you guys, I'd love an encounter with God's goodness that looks like that. That changes the face of who I am. That I come from changed. But that's open to all of you today, this morning, is to have an encounter with God's goodness that leaves you changed. But how can we see this for ourselves? There are other verses in the Bible that talk about God's goodness. I won't go into them all now. Jesus, in fact, declares in Mark that no one is good except God alone. when someone says, calls Jesus a good teacher. Just to clarify. But how can we see that for ourselves? In Psalm 34, which I'm just going to find, it says the words, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that his the Lord is good. 
In that case, taste is experiencing the goodness of God. And seeing is how it then changes our perception of God is good. How that perception changes the world around us. If we taste his goodness, if we taste his goodness, it's naturally going to change our perception of circumstance and the world around us as we see that he is good. What you experience changes your perception of the world around you. Once you catch a glimpse and taste the goodness of God, I would say it's going to change the way you interact with the world. It's going to change the way that you see people, change the way that you perceive circumstances, change the way that you see situations that you come up against that seem seemingly impossible. If you're coming from a place of having tasted God's goodness, that's going to change your perception of how you see that. I was struck by, I am continuously struck by a verse that um, has resonated with me in, in the book of Mark. It's something Jesus says, where he asked his disciples, do you not have eyes to see? Do you not have ears to hear and do you not remember? When they come and asking him questions about kind of who he is and what he's done and things like that. There is power in remembering what God has done, in remembering what we've seen in what we've heard and what we've tasted and telling other people about that as well, sharing those stories. And I think it's that as well that helps to, to, to boil down to, to, to reduce the, the, the God is good truth in our lives. I'll, I will ad- admit I've been um, struggling with some of the perception of God's goodness um, in, in terms of um, not the fundamental truth that God is good, but in seeing some prayers that I've been praying not being answered over the last few weeks and months or so. It's an absolute privilege that I get to meet people and pray with them and spend time with them. And God calls us to, to bring his goodness into the situations that we see. But I had um, my... Uh, Vic was suffering with toothache about a month or so ago now. She was crying herself to sleep every night in so much pain. And as a husband, I kind of felt a little bit helpless other than grabbing some, some painkillers and, and a hot water bottle and then praying with her, but not seeing that pain go away easily at all. It's like God praying night after night and not seeing that pain go. Her having other people praying for her around as well, but her still being in pain. I can say now that the... The pain has gone and it needed a dentist to do some root canal, but that's by the by, which is great that God has done that and in his goodness he's done that. But when you're in the middle of it, it's so hard to see his goodness in that situation. I know people with bad backs and chest infections in our family as well that are getting worse. A friend from here who is seriously unwell in hospital after an operation, not improving as we'd hoped, And we had someone who's suffering from cancer sit around our dinner table having lunch with us. And I've prayed with him a number of times for that cancer to go, for that cancer to be gone, because I know it can happen. I've heard stories of cancer being healed in people and God's goodness breaking through in those people's lives. But it has, well, it's, it's in the process of happening for him, but isn't there yet. 
and when it's difficult to see God's goodness in those situations, it's in those moments I need to choose to hang on to his goodness, to hang on to the truth that he is good. He did not create the cancer. He didn't cause the infection to enter that person's body. He doesn't cause the pain. God is good, loving, and kind. His goodness is full of abounding love and mercy and grace and kindness. But I need to make a choice. We need to make a choice by remembering those times when we have tasted some of his goodness and seen other people taste it in this very building and outside across the town, the country and beyond around the world, we've heard stories and seen things happen. And before we start setting up in the morning here, some of us gather here at 7.30. Sometimes it's to pray and worship. Sometimes it's tidying up around the building. Whatever's needed, it's all worship in that way, I guess. But I try and spend some time walking around the auditorium. And I know places, I know that there, someone's back was healed where their leg grew out and they got well. I know people who were sitting in those seats there who um, had a prophecy over them where they weren't able to have children and they had a baby. I know the person who came running in that door is telling me he was an atheist who ended up in tears as we were praying for his daughter and her mental health problems because he encountered God in that moment. I remember the young man that knelt at the front here encountering God's goodness and his addiction broke for a period because of that encounter he had. I'm sure some of you have seen stories, heard stories or experienced God's goodness in your own lives and seen that happen and move. And it's those, that, that opportunity to have tasted his goodness that needs to change our mindset and our perception and the way we think. And if you struggle to find any stories of his goodness to taste to start with, start here. There are so many stories of his goodness woven into people's lives throughout the Bible. And there's a few of those listed in the culture journal when you work through that. Chance to look and see how God's goodness and his abounding love, his grace, his mercy, weaves into people's lives to see their lives change. And there are people across this room that I'm sure you can connect with and ask questions of that have seen God's goodness break through. Go and ask someone around you, when have you seen God's goodness break through? If you're struggling for, to see that, so you don't believe or remember when you've tasted that. If you're struggling to see God's goodness in a situation you're in at the moment, find someone to talk to about that, to chat to about that, to share stories with, alongside looking at his word in the Bible. He is good all the time. And we need to let that truth resonate inside of us, boil down inside of us, so that our perception of every situation, circumstance and person we come across is viewed through the lens that God is good. Please stand with me now. I would love for you to, if that's okay. If what I've said this morning is... Um, you're thinking, but God, I haven't seen God's goodness. I don't know who he is. And I really believe that God wants to reveal his love for you in a new way this morning. I absolutely believe that. 
God is good. He's in this space. He's in this, this auditorium, this building right now. And I just want to invite you to, to take a step in that. I'd love for you to come to the front. If you want to see some of God's goodness in your life in a way you haven't seen before, then this is an invitation for you to do that. If you want to see some of his abounding love, then I just encourage you now to step, step forward. And I think the Holy Spirit is here in this place and he wants to show us enter our hearts. Holy Spirit, you are so welcome here. You are so welcome here. You let your goodness shine in this place right now. Would you let your goodness resonate throughout people's hearts in this place right now? He's inviting us into an encounter with his goodness in this place. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Just where you are, if you want to put your hand on your heart or out in front of you, and I just invite you to pray this with me. Just, um, I'll say a line and you can repeat it after me. Father, you are inviting me into an encounter with your goodness. <laughs> I say yes, Lord. Right now, I recognize that even though your goodness is beyond my understanding, it is not beyond my ability to experience. So here I am, Lord. Mark my life by your goodness. Shift the way I think. Because my mind is under the influence of your goodness. May every area of how I live my life Be shaped and reshaped by the fact that you are good. Come, Holy Spirit, and immerse me in the Father's goodness right now. Thank you for listening to Numa Sunday's podcast. For more information, go to numachurch.uk, where you can find more ways to connect with us. Have a great week, and remember you're loved.